This series of podcasts on quantum nanotechnology is available free in both audio only and full video formats from iTunes U. In this fourth podcast, I'll tell you about our experiments, which are like real world versions of the Schrodinger cat story. So once uh, we eventually get enough of this, this molecule that we're calling N at C60, we will be ready to perform our Schrodinger cat type experiment. So first, before I tell you about that, let's think for a moment about what nitrogen atoms are like. They have a property called spin. Spin, you can think of as just being a tiny magnet. A magnet that if we, suppose we have a magnetic field, let's say going up and down, that's the normal way we think of it. The, mag the tiny magnet is either allowed to point north or it's allowed to point south. These are the two options that are available for spin. And what we'd like to think then is that if the spin of the nitrogen atom is pointing north, that's like the cat being alive, let's say. And if the spin of the tiny magnet is pointing south, that's like the cat being dead. And just like alive and dead, these are two sensible things that you can think it's either one or the other, but it doesn't seem to make intuitive sense to be both at once. And yet quantum mechanics is telling us that we can be both at once, and we want to do the experiment to show that. I asked John Morton to show us around the kit that he can use to perform these kinds of experiments. Well, here we are in one of Oxford's ESR labs, where we're able to do the quantum physics experiments on spins. This whole facility in front of us is just over a year old and worth more than one million pounds. So now, let's look at one of the key components of the system, the magnet. These two disks contain coils of wire, which we pass current around. This generates a magnetic field required for our experiment. The magnetic field is most intense in this gap where we put our sample. The spins will either align with the field or against it. That gives us the two states we need, alive and dead. The magnetic field that this produces is sufficient for many of the experiments that we do. However, when we need to go to even higher magnetic fields for our best experiments, we need to turn to this. This vessel contains coils much like the other magnet that we saw. But here, the coils are superconducting, which allows much higher currents to pass through, and we can reach magnetic fields as high as six Tesla. The coils are made superconducting by cooling them with liquid nitrogen and liquid helium. This makes the coils just a few degrees above absolute zero. Our sample containing NHC60 molecules is mounted as a tiny droplet of fluid on the tip of this sample rod. We can then introduce it into the center of this high magnetic field. We've seen how mounting the sample inside a large magnetic field gives us our two desired states, up and down, or alive and dead. But how do we manipulate the spins between these levels? The answer, microwaves. This microwave circuitry provides us with all of the tools that we need to manipulate our spins and perform the experiment. The microwave source in here is just like the one in a kitchen oven. Though unlike a few minutes that it takes to cook a TV dinner, this will flip a spin in the order of billionths of a second. 
or nanoseconds. Let's say it takes 10 nanoseconds to flip the spin from the up to the down state. We apply a pulse of only 5 nanoseconds to leave the spin not up or down, but in a superposition. Now that we've put our nitrogen atom into this atomic box, which we're hoping insulates it from the rest of the world, creates its own kind of little universe in there that only weakly uh, interacts with the rest of the world, we can hope that it will be like the Schrodinger cat experiment and the entity in there, the spin, will be able to be both pointing north and pointing south at the same time. So that, uh, that's the hope. And when we had finally produced enough of this stuff, we attempted the experiment. And the way the experiment went was sort of like this. We sent in uh, our microwave blast, which actually can penetrate through the cage enough to manipulate the guy in here, to create our quantum superposition of up and down. And then we waited, and then we did the reverse. So we sent in uh, microwave energy, which would uh, undo the previous operation so that it would take a superposition and turn it back into, let's say, a north, a magnet pointing north. Now, if you think about that, that will, at the end of the process, you should be, if you start from pointing north, at the end of the process, you should come back to pointing north, but only if this quantum superposition, this magical state, has existed all the time between the two pulses of microwave energy. If it degraded, if it collapsed during that period, then the, the second pulse will have some other effect. It won't correctly, exactly undo what the first pulse did. In order to undo it, it must be in the same state that it was left in. So that was our test, and we were delighted to find that it worked, that we managed to create a superposition and see that it continued to exist inside its protective cage for vastly longer than the momentary superpositions that can exist on atoms just floating around. Now, in fact, the time that it would exist for was still only a fraction of a second, a tiny fraction of a second. However, it was a long time scale compared to how fast we can manipulate and control these things. And that's the interesting thing. It's interesting because if our superposition lasts that long, then maybe we can put it to work. Maybe we can harness it in some kind of technology. And that's the topic of our next podcast.